Well, hey, good morning, Life Point. I got all kinds of waters up here. It's like, it's warm and we're like ready to go. I'm not sure why, but yeah, all right. Well, hey, uh, welcome. So glad to have you here again with us. If you are new and visiting, if you wouldn't mind texting the word welcome to the number on the screen, 406-219-0314. We promise, promise, promise not to uh, spam your phone with all kinds of stuff, but uh, we would love to connect with you if you would like to connect with us. Well, hey, before we jump into the message this morning, one of the things we do here at LifePoint every month is we like to highlight our volunteers. Without great volunteers, uh, we couldn't do what we do on a weekly basis, and so we're, we're so very grateful for uh, everyone that serves in, in every capacity here at LifePoint. And so uh, what we do is we ask our, our staff and we ask our uh, ministry heads to nominate uh, someone who is just exceptional and serving uh, with a smile here at LifePoint, and uh, they do that. And uh, this month's award goes to Kelly Widholm. Come on up, Kelly. And this is never their favorite part um, of coming up on stage, but we'll make you do it anyways. Kelly serves in our uh, nursery and on our greeting team and uh, always does it with a smile. And so little gift for you. Thank you for serving. Give her a round of applause. Yeah, big thank you to everyone who serves. And uh, hey, just real quick, we don't typically do a ton of announcements, but we are having our mega sports camp this week. It's starting uh, tom uh, tomorrow. My goodness, it's tomorrow. And uh, yeah, uh, we're ready. We're totally ready. Um, we have, I think, nearly maybe close to 100 kids that are signed up already. And uh, it's a free sports camp. But those of you that may not be aware, uh, we put this on every year. Last year was on hold because of COVID, and uh, we teach kids sports skills, and we get to teach them about Christ as well throughout the week. And so uh, it's Monday through Friday from 8 to noon, and uh, it's just a great, great time. Pray for us. Pray for our volunteers. It's going to be really, really hot. Uh, it's going to be pushing 99, I guess, on Tuesday. Yay. Uh, that'll be great, but it's going to be a great, great week, and we're just so very grateful for all our volunteer, volunteers there as well. Well, if you have a Bible, go to Joshua chapter 23. We are going to be wrapping up this sermon series in the book of Joshua next Sunday on Father's Day. It's actually going to be very, very fitting the way it's uh, kind of finished out, but uh, this sermon series is called Strong and Courageous, and I hope that uh, throughout this uh, series has been beneficial to you. I hope that you've been uh, growing in the midst of it and that you've uh, been building some strength and some courage for the scriptures. And we, uh, uh, throughout this series, have really emphasized that point that we need strength and we need courage to obey the Lord, right? And we're going to talk a little bit more about that here this morning. But let me start by asking you a question. Uh, and the question is this, if you knew that you were going to die soon, what would you want to say to your family? Uh, what would be like the most important words, the things that you would want to share and convey uh, to those that you love? Now, I know that's like a really morbid way to start the message this morning. You're like, thanks. Like, I'm going to think about like dying, right? Um, but that's kind of where we're at in the book of Joshua. Joshua is at the latter part of his days. He's at the end of his life, and he uh, knows this. And there are some things on his heart, there's some things in his life that he's like, you have to know this. Like, these are things that I want to convey to you, um, because if you don't listen to these things, it's going to have very detrimental effects upon your life. And so Joshua is about to die. He's this guy who led the nation of Israel into the promised land, into all these uh, amazing battles. I mean, he labored hard uh, to serve them and to lead them for so many years. And as you can imagine, a, a good leader doesn't want, in his passing, 
uh, for his people to really fall you know, away from the success that they have seen. Uh, and so Joshua has some words, and he has some things as the nation of Israel. Those of you, those of you that were with us uh, just last week and the weeks before know that uh, the, the conquest is over. Uh, the battles have been fought. Um, the land now is just kind of being dispersed. They have entered this land. They've fought uh, so many uh, different battles. And chapter 11 really ended you know, uh, all the battles. And so now they're in this time of rest. And, and they're in this time of just like inheriting all the blessings and all the promises of God. And so uh, Joshua's like, this is a really dangerous time because it's a time where you uh, can become very complacent in uh, your faith. And that was a real danger for them. And honestly, that's a real danger for every single person in this room today is becoming complacent in their faith. Uh, if we're honest, and hopefully we are because we're in church, right? Uh, we're, all, we're all prone to becoming complacent in our walk with Jesus Christ, right? If you have a relationship with Christ, uh, meaning you've said yes to the offer of grace uh, at some point in your life, uh, we're prone to kind of becoming a little indifferent about Jesus. Uh, that at times in our lives, we can just, you know, kind of treat church and we kind of treat Christianity, we kind of treat the Bible as, you know, kind of secondary things, like they're not that important, especially when life is easy, especially when, you know, the pantry's full, the kids are healthy, the bank account is great, you know, in the house and all the things in life that we want and we desire. When everything's just kind of clicking, we don't really feel like we need God. And it's in those moments that we are most susceptible to becoming complacent in our faith. And so that's really the encouragement that Joshua wants to convey to the nation of Israel. Like, hey, you got it good. Like, everything is awesome right now. And you're experiencing the blessings of God. And you've inherited this land. And it's a land flowing with milk and honey, right? They're just like God promised. But it's in this moment that you are susceptible to becoming complacent in your faith. And so there, there would be some things that they would need to focus on. And so in Joshua 23, and really in chapter 24 as well, Joshua's like, hey, there's some things I, I want you to be reminded of. There's some things I want you to focus on. There's some things I want you to pay attention to. And we talked about two of those things last week, and I'm going to rehash those points uh, real quick for you this morning, uh, and then I'll give you two more today. But here's our bottom line. We get one main thought one main idea, call it our thesis statement, if you will, uh, that we want you to uh, think about and, and, and remember. And that is, is that complacency is the enemy of success. And that really goes for anything in life, right? I mean, if you approach some hobby, if you approach some career in life, if you're complacent about it, you're not going to experience success. Well, the same is true when it comes to our Christian faith. If you want to be successful for the Lord in your relationship with Christ, man, we cannot be complacent, right? Complacency is the enemy of success. But what is success? Well, last Sunday we defined success for the Christian. What does that look like, right? What does success look like? Well, we said that success is faithfulness. Amen. Would you agree with that statement? Success is faithfulness to the Lord in really every area of our lives. So everything we would touch, we would say, man, I just want to be faithful to whatever God has called me to. And listen, complacency, uh, as you can imagine, is always, always, always going to hinder that. And so how do we combat that? What are some things that we can do? And I, I want to tell you this morning, like I often tell you, that it's not hard that these are like very basic and very simple things, but yet they are the most crucial things for us to do as followers of Christ. And so we're going to talk about that this morning, but let's read our text 
so we kind of understand what, uh, what Joshua has to say here. And we're just going to focus on verses 6 through 11 this morning of Joshua chapter 23, and it'll be on the screen for you to follow along, along with us as well. So notice verse 6. It says, Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. So this was directed to the nation of Israel, but specifically its leaders. Joshua kind of gathers this group of people together. He's like, hey, there's some things I want you to think about. Be strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it, neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may, verse 7, not mix with these nations. And those were the Canaanites, those nations that had become uh, so wicked, so evil. I mean, these were people who were sacrificing their children to false gods, and God's like, I've had enough of that, right? And God's like, hey, I don't want you to mix with these nations remaining among you, or make mention of the names of their gods, or swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them. And last Sunday, we focused just really on those two verses. If you miss that, you can go back and and listen to that message. Uh, But then in verse 8, he continues on and uh, draw some more uh, points and some things for them to consider, and we're going to focus on that uh, this morning. But you, verse 8, shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations, and as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. Like, hey, let me remind you uh, of all the victories, right? Let me remind you that you've really never been defeated, that God has given you victory after victory after victory. Uh, Verse 10, he expounds upon that. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised you. And then verse 11, be very careful, therefore, Uh, to love the Lord your God. And so uh, Joshua gives them some closing thoughts. These are my last words, right? These are my last words to you as a nation. And so we talked about two of those. And the first thing that we talked about last Sunday is that if we're not going to become complacent, if we're going to be a people who are successful, we're faithful to the Lord in every area of our lives, what are some things that we must do? Well, Joshua's like, hey guys, you got to live every single day in constant obedience. You got to be obedient. Like, you've got to have this heart every single day. You're not going to be perfect. You're going to fail. You're going to mess up. But your heart ought to be to say, I want to live in obedience to the Lord every single day. I'm going to strive for that. And so in verse 6, he says, Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the law of Moses. And and obedience is kind of a given, right? We're like, we understand from kind of a Christian church perspective, like God desires for us to be obedient to him. It's kind of, a, kind of an understanding, but we struggle with it, right? Like every single person struggles every single day in some area of their lives to be obedient. That's, like, that's a common struggle, right? For every person, if we're honest, we're always going to struggle being obedient. But let me just say this, just because it's difficult, right? Just because it's hard at times doesn't mean that we shouldn't be striving to be obedient. Would you agree with that statement, right? Uh, And and a lot of people would say, man, it is hard. It is difficult. It is a battle. I feel like I'm swimming upstream at times, but just because it's hard doesn't mean that we shouldn't be striving for obedience, right? And so we talked about that last Sunday. And, and, And remember, we said obedience is based on this, what God has already done and what God has always already promised, right? That we always look back and say, what has God done for me? right? What is the salvation that he secured for me, that he would put on human flesh and go to a cross and die for me? That's what he's done, and what he's promised is to give me eternal life, right? Not just in heaven, but for today as well. And so based on 
those promises. And based on what God has done, we ought to have uh, a heart that serves uh, and, and obeys the Lord. And it's really a heart of gratitude. And we're going to kind of talk about that idea here in just a minute, because there's a big difference between obligation and a heart of gratitude, right? When it comes to our obedience, there's a big difference between just feeling like obligated, like I just got to check off a list of rules in my life. And, and if I do that, God is pleased with me. God's like, no, I don't really want that. I want your heart. I want you to obey me because you have a heart of gratitude. And so there's a big difference. And so we talked about that idea, live every day in constant obedience. The second thing that we talked about is this, is that we would live every day separate, right? We were to actually live holy, separate lives, that we live not according to the world's value system and adopting the world's values and the world's ideas, but that we would say, I'm going to live for what God desires. I'm going to live according to his values and his desires. And that's really verse number seven, uh, where Joshua says, don't mix with these nations. I mean, the danger for them was that they would become just like the people that God was judging, that they, that they would mix with them, that they would bow down to their gods, that they would call out to their gods and swear by them and live by them and adopt their belief system. And Joshua's like, don't, don't do it. Don't mix with these nations. We're to actually live separate for the Lord, right? We're actually to live holy for the Lord. And you find this kind of all throughout Scripture. I'll give you just a, a few uh, examples and then we'll move on. But in 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 9, Peter says, hey, guess what? You're a chosen race, talking about the church, talking about believers. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a what? Holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Like, Peter says, like, you ought to know who you are so that you might reflect Jesus in a dark world, right? Like, you ought to live separate so that the people around you actually might see the real Jesus in you. And, and that's something that we often don't convey to the world around us. Give you another example, 1 Peter chapter 1, in verses 14 through 16. Peter says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Like, don't go back and live the way you used to live. Uh, don't go back and live according to that ignorance in the world system, but as he, verse 15, is, calls you as holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, in all the ways that you live. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Real simple. Live separate, right? Live separate. And if you don't, if you don't, Joshua says you become complacent. You become indifferent to the Lord. And so that's what we've covered so far. Again, if you missed that, you can go back and uh, listen to that message on our website, lifepointmt.org, our Facebook, uh, and also our YouTube channel. But let me give you just two more things. And this is like straight out of Scripture, guys. These are my thoughts, my ideas. This is the Word of God and, and, uh, and, and Joshua's thoughts here. What are the things that they should focus on, right? Live every day in constant obedience, live every day separate. Here's the third thing we're gonna talk about this morning is that we would actually live every day clinging to the Lord. We would actually have this heart in this mindset to say, I'm gonna cling to the Lord in all things. Verse number eight, he says it very plainly, right? But you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. You shall cling. Let me ask you something. What comes to mind when you hear that word cling? Right? Think about that just for a moment. When you hear the word cling, what do you 
think of. For me, I, I think of a mountain climber free climbing on the side of like a rock face, right? Uh, and this is maybe like a nightmare, and I'm revealing to you like my inner thoughts, right?、Uh, like I had this like mental image of like a rock climber free climbing, no rope, clinging to the side of the mountain. Like if you stop clinging. You're gonna die, feller, <laughs> right? Like if you stop clinging to this mountain, you are going to fall to your death. And why some of you enjoy that kind of stuff, you know who you are in the crowd. I have no idea, but you know, to each their own, right?、Uh, but that's what I think of. And the word "cling" is kind of an interesting word、uh, in the Hebrew. It's kind of got this long history because it's found all the way back in Genesis chapter two, in verse twenty-four. Same. Uh, same Hebrew word here. Notice what it says in chapter two, in verse twenty-four of Genesis. It says, "Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife." In your Bible, it might use the word "cleave," hold fast, cleave, cling. All of them are the same Hebrew word、uh, that's used here in the Old Testament, and they shall become one flesh. When we get married, right, we're to actually cleave to our spouse. Were to cling to the word is actually the the strongest adhesive verb in the Old Testament. It means to be glued to, to be committed to our spouse. So we're to have that kind of relationship、uh, with our spouse, and that's kind of basic, you know, marriage one on one. You just got marriage counseling, and you didn't even know it, so that was free, right?、Uh, but one author said this, and I love what he said. He said this, and it'll be on the screen for you to read as well. It says the word the word there, cleave or cling, it speaks of total. Commitment. I'm totally committed to this relationship. It means loyal devotion, deep personal affection, and he said that is how Israel had been living during those golden days of the conquest, and that is how they are to continue. And so the same word here、uh, in in Joshua 23 and verse 8 is the same word that's used about marriage relationship in Genesis chapter 2 in verse 24. In the same meaning is meant that just like you have this cleave. Adhesive, glued to, committed relationship in your marriage. God's like, I, I want that with you. That I, I want you to be committed to me, just like you're committed in your marriage relationship. And listen, if you're not cleaving to, clinging to, committed to your spouse, right, you're going to cleave to, cling to something else in this life. And if you do that, obviously, it's going to bring a lot of heartache and, and hardship into your marriage relationship.、Um, but that's That's the same concept with God. Like, if you're not willing to cling to me and cleave to me and have this close relationship to me, there's there's going to be some heartache. There's going to be some pain. There's going to be some decisions that you're going to make that are going to bring some heartache into your life. And you find that idea of clinging to the Lord really all throughout Scripture.、And、let me give you just a few examples.、Uh, just a chapter back in the book of Joshua, Joshua repeats some very similar things. Like, like this, these are important. Like, I don't want you guys to miss these things. And so, in chapter twenty-two and verse five, notice what he says. He says, "Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law of Moses, the servant of the Lord,、uh, who commanded you." Like, again, there's that idea of obedience、uh, to love the Lord your God and to walk in all His ways and to keep His commandments. And then, notice what he says: and to cling to Him and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. You go back even further. You talk about the law of Moses. You know, Moses giving us the law and giving us the instruction. Well, Deuteronomy was part of that, and they would have known this verse in Deuteronomy chapter ten and verse twenty. It says, "You shall fear the Lord. You shall serve Him and hold fast to Him." Same word. Like, hey, man, you ought to cling. 
to the Lord. And let me give you just a, a New Testament example in Acts chapter 11. And we'll start in verse 22, and we don't have time to talk context too much, but in verse 22, it says, the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Just get that in your head. They sent Barnabas to Antioch. There's Barnabas going to Antioch uh, to kind of check in on the church there. And so Barnabas comes to Antioch, and it says, when he came and he saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to do this, to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. There's that, that idea of faithfulness, that idea of clinging and cleaving to the Lord. And I love that phrase, remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. And so let me ask you to consider in your life right now, what is it that you're clinging to? What would you identify in your life that you would say, this is the thing that I'm clinging to? And we, we, kind, of, we kind of identify those clinging things in life by, by, by the question of asking like, you know, if I didn't have it, how would I feel? What is that one thing in your life that you would say, if I didn't have this, my life would be terrible? If I didn't have this relationship, if I didn't have this job, if I didn't have this, you know, uh, income and, and, and security in life, uh, I, my life is going to feel like I'm missing something. What is that thing that you would say, I'm clinging to this? You see, all of those things are natural things for us to want to cling to, but God's like, I actually want you to cling to me most and first most in every aspect of your life, that it wouldn't be anything else but the Lord. Are you clinging to something other than Jesus? Maybe it's your own selfish wants and desires, like I want something. If I just have this, I would be more pleased and happy in life. Maybe it's a hobby. Whatever it is in this life, it ought to be the Lord. And so let me exhort you, as Barnabas exhorts the Christians in Acts chapter 11, that you and I would remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. That we would have a heart that would say, my purpose in life is to cling to the Lord Jesus Christ. What could happen, right? If we actually lived that way, what, what could happen if the world actually saw uh, Christians who, who were so steadfast in their purpose to love and to cling to the Lord Jesus Christ? I think we'd be able to see God move in many, many different, different ways. Live every day clinging to the Lord devoted to him. And when you do, listen, you won't find yourself becoming complacent in your faith. You won't find yourself drifting away from the Lord. And let me just mention this as well. Clinging takes humility, does it not? Uh, to cling to the Lord says, God, I am desperate for you. And, and apart from you and without you, I can do nothing. Boy, that takes some humility uh, to be willing to realize that. And until we realize that, listen, we're not ever going to really cling to, the, to him. And I, I believe personally, this is just my personal thought, I believe this is why, why so many Christians today live weak, powerless, faithless, inconsequential lives. There's no passion. There's no real commitment. There's no sacrifice. There's no spirit of service. There's no victory. There's just this passionless religion. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live that way right? I don't want to live with passionless religion in life. I want to live committed and clinging to the Lord, depending up, dependent upon him. And I know that may sound uh, harsh this morning, but that's the raw truth, right? We need to cling to God. And so Joshua exhorts Israel, like, if you want to succeed, 
You want to stay in this promised land. You want to experience the blessings of God. I mean, look at all the things that God has given you. Remind yourself of that. But if you want to stay there, man, you've got to be obedient. You've got to be willing to live separate. You have got to be willing to, uh, to cling to the Lord. And this would be uh, a very uh, uh, sobering thought that Jesus would remind us all of uh, in John chapter 15, uh, kind of a New Testament example of this very idea. In John 15, in verses four through seven, uh, it, it'll be familiar once you hear it. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus says. And you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't cling to the vine, there's not going to be any fruit in your life. There's not going to be any blessings in your life. If you're not clinging to him, there is no faithfulness. And so Joshua knew this uh, in their hearts, that they were so prone to wandering. And so be obedient, live separate, cling to the Lord. Here's the last thing that Joshua mentions in Joshua 23, and that is that they would not only do all of those things, but that they would live every day in love with the Lord. And notice in verse number 11, be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. And I love that, that Joshua ends with this. Because without love, we really have nothing, right? Without love, none of this matters. Like, if you don't love God ultimately, if you're not motivated by love, then all the things that we just talked about, it doesn't matter, right? Like, you, if you don't love the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not going to obey him. Isn't that the truth? Right? If you don't love the Lord Jesus Christ, you're, gonna, you're not going to have any desire to want to live separate uh, in, in the world for him. If you don't love the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not going to have any desire to want to cling to him without love. Listen, none of this stuff we talked about even is possible, but love changes everything, right? It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where Paul says, without love, he's like, I'm nothing. Without love, I can do all these amazing things. I can be super religious. I can you know, have all this knowledge and all these uh, understandings in life, but if I don't have True, godly, Christian love for Jesus and for others. Paul says, I'm nothing. And so love is this motivating factor. And notice how important Joshua makes this. He says, be very careful. Let me ask you, what are you careful with in life? What are the things that you hold gently in life? What are the things in, in your life that you would kind of hold in your hands and, and you would be very careful and walk cautiously with in life? A lot of times we would say, well, they're my kids, right? Or it's my you know, relationship with my spouse or my relationship with my friends or you know, maybe it's my money and I, I walk very carefully to keep you know, everything in order in life to make sure that it, you know, it's accomplishing what I want it to accomplish in life. We hold it gently. I remember when I was a kid uh, across the street, uh, our neighbors had kind of like a mini farm, and they had ducks, right? Um, how many of you ever, like, raised ducks before? You kind of know, like, they're nasty. Are they not? Like, oh my gosh. Like, I remember the duck pond was the grossest place on earth. And it was like, everybody was like, I dare you to jump in it. <laughs> I double dog dare you. Like, no. 
I never did. I never did it. No, it was too gross, too gross. But I remember it, like every year they would, you know, um, hatch ducklings and they would bring the eggs into the house. You know what I'm talking about? And, and they would put the lights on them. And I remember like walking with the egg and be like so very, very gentle and, and, and you know, making sure that everything was good and just right and right temperature and all those kinds of things. But, but that, that's kind of the same concept when it comes to loving the Lord, that we would hold that relationship very gently and very carefully. That we would walk through life and we would be very careful to be like, how is my love relationship with Jesus? Like, do I actually love him? Do I care about him and what he has done for me? I mean, he bled and he died for me. He was buried for me. He rose from the grave for me. Does that move me at all? You see, this is likely the most important thing. Be very careful. In fact, the word, it means to be on guard. It means to keep a close watch. It means to be ever so mindful of our level of love for the Lord. And this is where I think a lot of things get out of balance in our Christian walk. Remember last Sunday we talked about uh, living in balanced obedience, where, where Joshua says, hey, I want you to obey, right? I want you to obey the law of Moses. I want you to be very careful to be obedient. And don't turn to the right hand and, and then don't turn to the left. And, and what he was meaning by that is don't turn to the extremes, right? The extremes can be like this side of like legalism where it's like all about rules and you can't do anything. And then there's this other side that says like, it's all about freedom, right? Be balanced. And I think this really comes into play here at this point this morning. Uh, and let me explain what I mean. We put the emphasis on the wrong things. We say, yes, I'm supposed to obey. And so we put all our eggs in that basket, like just obey, just do the right things, just follow the rules, right? And, and I'll be okay. Or maybe it's about living a separate life. And if I just live separate and I just, you know, don't live according to the world, then I'll be okay. And I would say, you're getting it, you're getting it kind of backwards. Because if you do those things and you don't have love, what do you have? You have empty religion, right? You have empty religion. And, and Jesus would say, man, you ought to love me first. Because here, here's the thing, and this happens in our relationships all the time, right? Uh, guys, your wife might ask you to do something and you're like, <laughs> and you do it, and your wife's like, uh-uh. <laughs> right, ladies? Yes, thank you. <laughs> the only lady to admit in the room, right? And, but guys, we're the same way, right? Like if you ask your wife to do something for you and she grumbles, she complains, and she does it out of you know, the wrong heart and the wrong attitude, like we don't feel love by that. Like if you want to do something for me or you want to say something to me and you don't really mean it, I'd rather you not say it at all, Right? What do we mean by that? I, I'd rather you have a heart of love that is genuine and motivated by that, not your obedience. And, and, and God would, would, would you know, uh, confront the nation of Israel time and time again for their sacrifice. Read Isaiah uh, chapter 1 and verse 11, I think it is, where God's like, hey, I'm kind of done with your sacrifices. Like, you know, I've had enough of this, you know, religion that you're doing because your heart isn't right. You don't really love me. You're just going through the motions in life. And I will not have that. And we are really confronted with the character of God here that God actually 
he wants an intimate relationship with you most, most definitely. Like, like if you feel obligated to serve God in certain ways and you're doing it from a heart of obligation, I don't think God's for that. I want you to obey me because you love me. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Meaning this, like obedience, like just flows naturally from a heart that loves Jesus. Because I love him, I want to obey him. Just because, you know, the same is true, like you love your spouse and, and you may do things you don't want to do, but you do them because you, man, you love them, right? Same heart, same motivation here with God. David Guzik said this, he said, it's easy to think of loving Jesus in merely sentimental or emotional terms. And this is where like all the guys check out. Like if loving Jesus is about sentiment and emotionalism, like, you know, I'm out, right? Because we're just typically not that way. But he, he said this, he, went, he said, it's wonderful when our love for Jesus has sentiment and passion, like that's good, that's not wrong in and of itself. But notice what he says, because it's really important. He said, but it must always be connected to keeping his commandments or it's not love at all. You can have sentiment and you can have emotion but if you don't have obedience, uh-uh, it ain't love, right? Because Jesus is like, if you love me, you will naturally want to obey me in life. And so love really is our focus, our attention it ought to be on this. How well am I actually loving Jesus today? What is my level of right, love right now? And based on how you answer that question determines what steps that you must take in life. What steps can I take to love Jesus more? I think that's a hard question to answer, isn't it? That we kind of struggle, like, what, what steps, what do I do to love Jesus more? I think it's actually more simple than we make it out to be. Uh, think about this. What steps uh, have you taken in your life to love your spouse more? Raise your hand if you remember engagement. Right? Remember when you were engaged and you were seeking to know, right? those of you that are not engaged, think about your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whatever, you know, like, I want to know them more, right? You seek to know them, to understand them. How can I love them better? I want to understand them. What do you like? What do you don't like? You know, it's like chocolate peanut butter ice cream. It's like pushing my buttons, right? That's, that's singing my song. Add some espresso to that. And now we're like, you know, this is the love language for me, right? Um, but whatever it is, you want to know those things so that you can show your love to them uh, in, in a strong way. And that, that's the same with God. God's like, I want you to know me more. I want you to understand me more so that you can love me more. In fact, in John 17, 3, uh, he said this. G this is Jesus speaking. He says, and this is eternal life. This is, like, let me define for you what eternal life is, that they know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Knowing Jesus, knowing God, is actually the definition of eternal life. And the word for know there is, uh, in the Greek, it's the word gnosko. And it doesn't, it doesn't just mean like having knowledge of something. It means having an understanding. I understand you. See, I can, I can know about you. I can know things about you, but I may not like know you know you, right? I may not understand you. God's like, I want you to know me and to understand me, right? This is eternal life, and that's awesome. God wants to have that kind of relationship with us, and the more that you know him, guess what happens? The more you love him. And so Joshua, to the nation of Israel, all the things that he could say, my last words, my last will and testament, 
The words I'm going to convey to you before I die are these things. Verse 11 again, be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. And so let me ask you simply this morning, does that define you? Have you been very careful with this love relationship that the creator of the universe desires to have with you? If you're new to church and if you're new to Christianity, let me tell you, God is pursuing you in ways that you cannot even imagine. That he went to the ends of the earth, that he did the most extreme thing to show you that he loves you and that he cares for you and that he wants to be in a relationship with you and he wants you to experience the blessings of the promised land. Walking through life with Jesus, have you been very careful, Christian, today, to love the Lord your God? If not, what needs to change? I don't know if it's obedience. I don't know if you're living in absolute disregard to the scriptures this morning. I don't know if you're living a life that is really separate, that you're you know, in the world but not of the world. Maybe you're not clinging. Maybe you're not abiding. Maybe this morning you are not loving the Lord like you should. These are the things. They're not hard things, but they are simple things that Joshua says, if you do not do them, you will lose it all. And if you read just a little further into the book of Judges, guess what you discover? They failed. Joshua goes off the scene and they go right in to idol worship. And they go through this vicious cycle time and time again, up and down, serving the Lord, not serving the Lord, serving the Lord, not serving the Lord. Complacency, because these, these simple things, you fast forward even a little bit more, they spend 70 years in captivity in a foreign nation because they refuse to obey. And people like Jeremiah would plead with the nation of Israel, like, please repent, serve the Lord, do the basic things, because if you don't, judgment is coming, and it did. And they said, no, thanks, we're good. Does that describe you today? Are you complacent in your faith? Complacency is the enemy of success. I'm going to invite the worship team back up this morning. Would you stand with them as well? As we get ready to close our service today, this is a moment that we just want to to focus our hearts We want to focus our attention on the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know what area of your life that you might be struggling with, but I know, I know that every single person is struggling with something. Let's be honest, right? We are not perfect human beings. We are not perfect Christians. And so in some way, shape, or form, we all can agree this morning that there's a struggle, there's a battle going on within our hearts. Maybe you're going through a Joshua battle in life and and, and you need God to show up in a big way. Let me tell you this morning, read Joshua chapter one through chapter 11. You see God showing up time and time and time again saying, I want to fight for you. God wants to fight with you and for you. But we need to be reminded this morning of our part. God, help me to not become complacent and indifferent. The devil would love nothing more for this group of people to just do church, to just show up and fill a, fill a seat, sing a few songs, go home and be no different. Don't be light, don't be salt, don't be a testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. Just kind of be complacent. And we buy into it, don't we? We buy into these lies. But what could happen? What could happen today? If every single one of us said, no, no longer, I'm going to fight that complacency 
And, and, and I'm going to do the simple things. I'm going to obey. I'm going to just say, God, today, help me to live in obedience to you and the scriptures. God, help me to, to be in the world, to not shun the world, but to be holy so that the world actually might see Jesus in my life. What could happen if we lived that way? What could happen if we lived every moment of our lives saying, I have to cling to him. I have to. But I can't do a single thing apart from the Lord. You know the Lord desires that you lay every burden and every care and every anxiety upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Cling to him, right? That we would love him. Greatest commandment, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with our heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like the first, that you would love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, man, does the world need to see the love of Christ in us? Does the world, does your neighbor, does your coworker need to see you not judging them, not holding your life upon some pedestal like you're better, but that they would see you loving them sacrificially, just like Jesus loves them. Church, this is real Christianity. This is what it's supposed to look like. But all too often, what the world sees is something totally different, and they're turned off by it, and rightly so. But we get to change that. You get to change that by the way that you live. And I'm sure if Joshua was here today, he would be weeping like a fool like me, pleading with you, saying, don't shun. Don't shun the God who loves you, who's died for you, and who has given you victories, blessings, and riches. Don't shun him, but love him and serve him. God, this morning, we are so overwhelmed God, by your grace and by your mercy, God, that you, that you walk with us despite us when we fail and we don't obey and we don't cling and we're not separate, we don't love you, God, you still love us. Forgive us, God, for those moments. But God, help us to be people who turn back and say, God, thank you. In love, I want to serve you for what you have done for me. And God, may you just move in our midst. May you move in our presence. May you change us. May your power go from this place into this community, God, and change hearts and change lives and bring them from darkness into light because that's what you did with us. And we recognize this morning, God, that you want to use us and you want to use this church and you want to use every single person in their, in their community, in their environment, God, to impact others for you. God, help us to just reflect you. We praise you, God, we worship you. God, as we sing this last song, God, may it be the prayer of our hearts to you today. We give you all the praise in Christ's precious name.